Hey, caffeinators. Welcome to the Vet Tech Cafe. The Vet Tech Cafe is a podcast centered around veterinary technicians and nurses, hosted by myself, Dave Cowan, and my good friend, Jeff Backus. We strive to discuss current issues facing our profession and give our colleagues a voice and a medium to enter into these discussions. Our guests are experts in the veterinary field that we hope can help our listeners work towards dealing with these issues, as well as coming up with solutions that can lead to change. If you have a question, comment, or would like to be a guest on the Vet Tech Cafe, please contact us at vettechcafe at gmail.com, or you can find us at our website, vettechcafe.com. One thing we would ask of you, our listeners, is to rate and review us on whatever podcast platform you're listening to. We're not exactly sure how or why this helps us, but apparently it does. So without further ado, come on in, grab yourself a cup of coffee, and get ready for another episode of the Vet Tech Cafe. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of the Vet Tech Cafe, where reruns of your favorite sitcom are always on the TVs. Um, we'd like to thank all of you caffeinators for uh, continued support of our podcast here. Um, if you're new to us, definitely go to vettechcafe.com. All of the info about Dave and I and who we are and why we started this podcast is there. Links to our previous episodes. We also do have a Patreon. You can check us out there too if you want to support us in that way. We have some merchandise on our website too that we get through Printify. So definitely check us out, follow along, subscribe to our YouTube channel. We we upload the video from our tap rooms, barring technical difficulty <laughs> to that. Um, and so just uh, we just try to have a lot of fun with a lot of different channels. So definitely follow along. If you have any ideas for episodes, if you want to be a guest, or if you think there's a topic we should talk about, or, or one that we haven't in the past, or kind of want to revisit if something has changed, please reach out to us. We're always looking for, for new material and new things to talk about. And, and actually, Dave, that's kind of how um, yeah. our guests, you know, that's, that's today's episode was a guest that reached out to us. And sometimes those are the most fun because it's oftentimes something that we we didn't think about or we didn't know about. And and uh, we never would have even considered had, had somebody not reached out. So definitely, you know, if you've got an idea, don't hesitate to let us know. Dave, how's it going out there? What's on your mind? Uh, well, I've been, I've been on the struggle bus with, uh, with a, I don't know what it is, a cold or flu or something. My, I don't quite have the Barry White voice on today, but last couple of days I've, I've been sounding like Barry White. You're not the only one with dulcet tones every now and then. So, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I've been fighting that off. I've been great during the day, but like sleeping at night, like last night I was up for like five hours, just coughing and not able to sleep. So, uh, I'm pulling a Michael Jordan here. Um, this is like the flu game that he did in the playoffs. Where I'm, <laughs> we got we've got two episodes to record today, and and I'm just gonna power through them. So yeah, uh, ho- yeah. hopefully things will will be on the rise soon, and and we'll kind of get through all this. How are things going out there? I think okay. Um, it's uh, it's nice today, but it's supposed to rain the rest of the week, which I'm pretty excited about. And and you're not the only one that's sick. Daphne's getting snotty and now getting another tooth again. So I have a feeling we're all going to be sick again in the next couple of days. Um, so welcome we'll, to we'll parenthood eye on that. Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> That's, I feel like I've been sick since September and I'm, I'm, I'm getting sick of being sick. Um, mm-hmm. but, uh, we'll see, hopefully, hopefully we can avoid it. And I'm actually going to spring something on you here. I, oh. I was driving yesterday. I don't know if you remember our episode with Arancha. Yes. Yes. My buddy that my buddy that uh, was a surgical resident, Rodrigo at Oklahoma state to put us in touch with her. I was going to meet him in LA yesterday for a beer because he had his surgery boards this week, which is a huge, huge deal. Anyway, and he needs a beer on my way up there and he needed a beer. 
for sure. Um, on my way up there, as you know, I'm, I'm a huge country music fan, and a song came on the radio by one of my favorite artists of the last few years, and it's a song called Doing This. And the whole premise of the song, and it starts out, is he was giving an interview, and the interviewer asks him, if you weren't doing this, would you still be doing this? Meaning, you know, if he wasn't a mega country star, yeah, sung at Carnegie Hall and Grand Ole Opry and all the awards and everything else, would he still be playing country music? And And so the whole point of the song is, even if it was bars and no-name towns, he would still be playing music. And we've talked previously, you and I, I, I think for me, um, I think about, you know, when I was younger, maybe I would have gone a different path. I, I, I still think I would have liked to have gone and gotten a meteorology degree and been a weatherman on TV or something like that. So I, I honestly don't know if, if I'd still be doing this if I wasn't doing this. And so I'm going to ask you, and I think this is going to be fun to ask our guests yeah. too. Like if you weren't Dave Cowan and recover instructor, a lecture extraordinaire, VTS ECC, would you still be doing this? I'm going to say no, because I mean, what, what keeps us in this is the, uh, and I've talked about this. This is a, this is a great question. And I'm, I'm looking forward to adding this into all of our guests uh, list of questions. And uh, the 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 reason that I'm saying that is that I worked hard to get to where I'm at, and there are there were times where living paycheck to paycheck and working two three jobs, mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. is that worth it? You know, there, there's, you know, if if I were to go back and say, you know, as a as a 20 year old, would I would I continue down this path? I mean, hindsight's always 2020. 20. I'm happy sure. where I'm at. I'm happy that that I've put in all that work and sure. and made something of myself, but. You know, if if somebody had told me 26 years ago, is that where we're at, where I'm at now? 26 years ago, that <laughs> you're going to get here, but it's going to be a long, hard struggle. I I might not do this. Yeah, I, I kind of think the same. I, I, I've I've always I've always said that you know my my ultimate goal is to play shortstop for the Red Sox, and <laughs> by the time I was I was too you know out of shape in high school and, and couldn't do I couldn't even play high school baseball. Um, I was great in little league. I was, I was, I was a phenom in little league, but I, I got, I got too chunky in, in high school to, to actually run the bases. So that, that dream kind of died, but I, I always kept that in the back of my mind at some point. I would love to, love to do that, you know, and, and now just seeing the, the contracts that some of these guys are making for being, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I, honestly, I don't know what else I would do because yeah, it, it's hard to think about that because I've been in this for 26 years. It's hard to, yeah. to think of a time when I didn't have that. Um, yeah. You know, I was a, I was a music major for a short period of time, and mm -hmm. I I did get accepted to go to Berkeley School of, of Music, but tuition was twice as much money to go to to that school versus the school I went to. So you know that kind of fizzled out as well. But gosh, I don't, yeah. I don't know what I would do. Yeah. If if that opportunity was was given to me. Yeah, and you know, I think like if you read in in a lot of forums on Facebook and stuff, you know, there, I, I've seen comments from people that have left the profession um, just for whatever reason and are much happier, making more money, having a better work-life balance, better mental health, all of that stuff. And there are also, you know, a lot of people I think that find their way into veterinary medicine because for them, that was the thing that if they could do something different, it would be right. working with animals. Right. And so they, they come to the field a lot later on. And it's, you know, it's almost one of those like, greener pastures kind of question. But at the same time, I, I mean, like you were saying, I it, certainly everything I have today is because of, of veterinary medicine, but yeah, I, I, I don't know. It just kind of, I had like a half hour left in my drive and I just couldn't stop thinking about like yeah. the, 
you know, the, the what if or what would be different. I certainly, without veterinary medicine, wouldn't know my wife. And so I don't know, you know, it, it's one of those, it just, yeah, kind of, kind of. Well, it's a whole butterfly about. effect. So, like you change one, yeah, one simple thing and yep. your entire yep. life is completely different. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't know, you know, knowing what I know now, I, I, I might still be doing this. I, I'm certainly happy where I am now and, and don't see myself leaving. I, of course, I always threaten, you know, at this point in my life, I would love to quit vet med and just go peer, pour beers at a brewery. But um, I wouldn't have necessarily started out that path, you know, in early adulthood either. Yeah, but yeah. yeah, yeah, kind of fun to think about. Anyway, so I think that'll be a fun question for our guests. And, and um, we're going to put today's guest on the spot with that yeah. question. We usually try not to put people on the spot. Caffeinators, in, in case you, you're not aware, a little behind the scenes, we usually send our questions and discussion points to to our guests ahead of time because the episode is about them and their story and we want to make sure we, we cover what they want to talk about. But we're going to put this guest on the spot today with that question a little bit. So we have uh, Casey Kent coming by the uh, Vet Tech Cafe today. Super excited. So you guys may be aware uh, and you're going to see a lot of promotion from us for this uh, for this month. March is Pet Poison Prevention Month. Um, and so we kind of had an idea to do some toxicology focused episodes. And, and so Casey works for uh, Pet Poison Helpline. She is an LVT. Uh, she also does relief uh, with Amerivet Veterinary Partners, but is a veterinary information specialist too with Pet Poison Helpline. She has her BS in zoology uh, with a double specialization in neurobiology and ecology evolution organismal biology. I thought I was going to mm. screw that up, but I didn't. Uh, <laughs> from Michigan State University. Um, and went on to earn her AAS um, in veterinary technology from Bell Ray Institute in Denver, Colorado. Very diverse veterinary background from GP to emergency to specialty um, and now toxicology. So Casey, thank you very much, uh, first off, for reaching out to us uh, about being a guest on this show. I think this is going to be a really fun episode. Um, what can we get you for a cup of coffee to start or, or caffeinated beverage of choice? I am a plain and simple. I just drink my coffee black. So no cream, no sugar, no fuss. <laughs> I mean, if we all Cheers have worked in clinics, so you don't have time to doctor it up. We're just going to pour it in and move on. And most of the time it's going to be lukewarm or cold. <laughs> <laughs> this is true. This is true. That that pot has probably been there at least two oh, yeah. days by the time yeah. you oh, yeah. do it. <laughs> that means it's going to be real strong at that point. Yes. Yes, yes, yes. Uh, well, if you don't mind, um, take us through your career path a little bit. What got you into veterinary medicine? Um, kind of some stops or accomplishments on the way and, and up to what you're doing now. Yeah. I started in veterinary medicine. I feel like I'm a carbon copy, cookie copy of every other person you probably have ever met. I've always dreamed of working with animals and that whole childhood dream. And so I ended up going to Michigan State University. I actually live in Lansing. So with the whole recent shooting, I live about yeah. five minutes from campus. So that oh was my. a whole Ugh. nother thing that was insane Ugh. to live through. But uh, so I did go to Michigan State. I actually got accepted into their vet tech program. And I did not apply myself. And I ended up failing out. And that I think is not a very common most people, they just kind of go through and they move on. And so I, it was my fault. I didn't apply myself. And so then you're two years in and now you go, now what? And so I either could wait a year and then reapply or I could just move forward and get my bachelor's. And I knew down the line that I would always want to do some kind of teaching or speaking, something to teach other people. I've, I've always had an inclination and a passion for helping others love their pets better. 
And so I decided to just move along and I ended up getting my four year bachelor's degree. And then I was like, okay, well, I'm not done. I still want to get my vet tech degree. I had found Bell Ray just through Google search. You know, we're all, I'm a millennial and decided that I was going to pick up my life and move across the country to the mountains. And so I ended up, that's, it was just kind of ended up happening. So got my, my degree, I ended up doing specialty dermatology out there and emergency. I didn't have a very good experience in emergency. Um, that was my first kind of corporate gig. Um, and it just lit a fire under me in terms of teaching and training because my trainers, they hunted like a pack. It was all older technicians and it was awful. I had instruments thrown at me. I had just awful, awful experience with my first job in emergency out in Denver. And I wouldn't recommend that upbringing to anyone. And it's not how we keep people in the field. So I ended up moving back to Michigan after about five or six years and got into GP. And I've worked GP up until last year. We were talking about it a little bit. I started a relief for pet poison July, no, yeah, July of 2020 and fell in love with working remote and was like, oh my gosh, I need to do this full time and just couldn't quite pull the trigger until January of this or last year of 2022 and went fully remote. And then July of 2022, I decided I wasn't really getting the opportunities that I wanted in terms of teaching and lecturing. I was kind of at the standstill in terms of taking the next step in my career. Yes, I was able to train some individuals, but there it wasn't what I wanted. I wasn't moving and progressing in my career. So I just decided to get out of my own way. And I started emailing people. I emailed you guys and was just like, who can I reach out to? Who can I do stuff with? And doors have just opened. I've we were talking before I've done a couple of podcasts with Kendra, the vet tech. She's absolutely amazing. It's been really fun. I started lecturing with a Maravet. Uh, I'm working actually really closely with them to develop a training protocol for all of their hospitals in the Midwest. I'm in the works with working with VCA to lecture with them. I'm working with our local zoo to have a training protocol for toxicology with them. I'm also potentially on their zoo board. I have my meeting with them tonight to find out if I made it. So like, there's all these things that I just decided in the last year, I was like, what can I do? And I'm going to do all of them. And so that's where I'm at. <laughs> that's Jeff. That's kind of similar to, you know, we were having that, that conversation uh, in DC about this podcast of like, we were mm -hmm. kind of burned out of, of what we were doing. We're like, there's gotta be something else out there. Mm -hmm. And we just said, we know enough people that we should be able to talk to people and figure this out. And yeah. that's, I mean, what you're doing is, is one of the reasons that we're doing this entire podcast was yeah. finding different avenues in the vet, vet med space that are going to keep people in the field. Because yeah. I've said this a lot, if you're, if you're doing the same thing over and over, that works for some people for, for most of us, that's not enough. No, it's not. Yeah. I want to ask you about. I know this isn't on the, on the our our question list, but I want to ask you about your your double specialization. I know what neurobiology is, uh, but the ecology, evolutional evolution, and or, organismal biology. What the heck is that? <laughs> so honestly, I ended up getting. It's gonna sound really bad. It honestly doesn't <laughs> really add that much. It was like two additional classes. It was one of those things. I'm very logistical and very type A personality, and so I was looking through the different courses and realized that I could double, like, specialize 
if I added on two different classes. Right. And so I was in, I was like, oh, this is going to look amazing on my resume. So it really didn't add. You're still learning. It's just you have a bigger foundation under biology. But did I learn anything extra special and have extra nuggets of knowledge? Not really. It just hmm. looks really when, impressive on a resume. Yeah, it does. It does, it does. right? <laughs> but when you were, but when you were kind of going through that, like, what did you have? Like a, was there like a job at the end of all this that you were thinking about, or was yeah. it just I wanted a zoology degree and I wanted to be a vet tech. That has oh, always, okay. that okay. has always been the end goal. But when okay. uh, and so I uh, I did the science degree at at uh michigan state and then got into their vet tech program at michigan state and so then when i ended up not making it for that first it was literally the first semester and medical terminology of course and so then you have to decide okay well now i have to actually decide what my bachelor's degree was going to be because i had already decided it was going to be in veterinary medical uh veterinary technology i don't have that anymore so now what am i going to major in and specialize in and i was like okay so how can i make this work the best for me and look the most impressive on resumes because zoology everyone just kind of poo-poos off zoology sometimes it's kind of like kinesiology everyone's like what Mm -hmm. are you going to do with zoology other than work in zoos and so how do i kind of expound on that and make it look a little bit more presentable on a resume and it sounds really bad but it has worked amazing yeah there you go there you go and so as someone who's been in the the field for for a bit here where do you see the vet tech profession right now like you know, working remote and also being on sort of on the lecture circuit and also in the in the training avenue. Um, how do you view our profession? Like, what are the things that we need to work on still? What things are going great right now? And, and how do we make that better? Uh, I feel like our profession's at a crossroads right now. So I also am in the, I do the NAFTA CE committee. So I'm pretty heavily involved with them. And so you just hear things through the grapevine, right? And so we're at this huge job protection crossroads. Where do we want to go their profession? There's one hospital who their doctors are now remote and the technicians are doing everything. I think that was on Andrew Mm -hmm. Rorick, his podcast. You know, Mm -hmm. we're at this juncture of old, not old medicine, but the 1980s through the 2000s versus where do we want medicine to go? And we're going to have to learn to adapt or mm-hmm. vet medicine will not be, it will not exist. In right. my opinion, humble opinion, in 20, 30 years, this will not exist. Um, I think it will end up, if we don't adapt and learn and come together, this will not exist. Right now we have two camps and right now we're stuck on, it seems like we're stuck on the nurse versus using the current terms that we have. And that is very polarizing to people and i think both sides are failing to realize that we have one common goal and that one common goal is job protection so why don't we focus on the actual job protection first and then let's fight over what the actual term is once we actually have that job protection because why are we fighting over something that we don't even have right now mm, yeah and it's fun it's it's funny that's the big stumbling block right is, is, the, is. is the whole title change yeah. when we're not we should be focusing on the the job type the job protection as opposed to what we call ourselves like we can figure that stuff Mm -hmm. out later exactly and so i think that's the biggest stumbling block that we have right now and that's currently where i see our profession right physically right now is we need to focus on that job protection and ignore the title for now we already have the three four i don't even know how many titles we have at this point across the nation let's focus (laughs) let's standardize what we currently have get that job protection in place 
come together as a community and figure it all out. And then we can fight later on if we want to change the title. That's great. Let's fight five or seven years down the road. Great. Okay. If we want to change later on, we can change. It's going to be so much easier if we're already standardized. And then we all together go, we're going to change. But let's at least get yeah. job protection first. Yeah, I'm, I'm happy to fight about the title change for, for 15, 20 years. Yeah. But let's get all the other stuff yes. done and out yeah. of the way first get, before get we do that. Get everything else ironed out yes. first. Yeah. yeah. You know, you bring up an interesting point. And Casey, you and I both work in essentially telemedicine, yes. right? That, I mean, that's what we do. Yep. And I think kind of what you were alluding to, that at least this is what I picked up from that. Like that, to some degree, obviously, there's going to be a lot of things that you cannot do remotely. There's going to be a lot of things you you can't, you know, pets have to go to the hospital to get treatment. But at some point, hospitals, veterinarians are going to have to pivot and be able to provide some level of telehealth. And that's a, yeah. been a major point of discussion at our state veterinary medical board meetings uh, for, gosh, three, four, five years now is, is what to do with telehealth. And nobody can kind of figure it out. But yet it's, it's already happening. It's already evolving. It's kind of like the Wild West. It's just evolving and things are happening and then all of a sudden regulatory stuff is kept, is struggling to catch up with it and figure out and they're trying to make rules or regulations based on what was already happening five years ago and we're already way beyond that and there has to be an evolution an adaptation something to this profession or as you said like and I apologize. Our trash truck is going to go by right now. And it's just, it's, it's trash day at the vet tech cafe. Sorry guys, if that gets loud, but you know, like we have to, like we cannot keep practicing veterinary medicine as though this is 2004. No. We have to start practicing now as though this is 2024 with an eye towards 2034. And, but like there are it's just, some of these things have to start falling into place. And it's, 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 yeah, I, I completely understand where you're coming from. At least that's what I got out of what you were saying. Yeah. I also wonder, like, you know, thinking back before the three of us got into this profession, like in, in the 80s and in the, in the early 90s, was there like was there ever a time in our profession where we weren't at a crossroads? Like, was there ever a time where everything was just kind of stagnant and just flowing along? I, I feel like there's always been some type of change that's been happening or some type of decision that had to be made. I think just now that we're realizing that it's a much bigger deal because you know, back in the 80s and the 90s and even the early 2000s, we didn't have social media. So right. everything we knew was in a bubble of, of right. people yeah. that we worked yeah. with and people that we knew. And now because of social media, everyone's way of practicing medicine and all these things are, are out in the open. And, and maybe it's just that now we're more aware of all the changes that are yeah, out we just, there. Yeah, we just didn't know about the crossroads at right, the time. Right. But there were, there were people that were at them. We just yeah. we didn't know about yeah. them. Yeah. But how yeah. amazing is um, that, so though? That you have the social media where you are, you're not stuck in a bubble and you have so many more innovators to work with. And I feel like we're not taking advantage of that. It's still like the, just infighting. You have this amazing, it's not new, but you have this amazing opportunity of West Coast and East Coast and South and the Midwest. And we all practice slightly differently because of our cultures. Yes, we're all Americans and blah, 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 blah. But I know that as a person living in the Midwest, just speaking to someone from New York 
I start sweating because it is com- a completely different experience <laughs> than talking to someone from the Midwest or yeah. someone from the South. And so how amazing is it that we have the opportunity? That should be something that we're excited and that we're trying to move together and work together rather than wanting and being okay with staying in a bubble like we were in the 1980s and 1990s. Yeah, for sure. For sure. So Casey, I'm going to put you on the spot and ask you, if you weren't doing this, would you still be doing this before we get into all the the meat and potatoes of this interview here? I have to agree with you guys. I would not be in this. I would be working in finance. My dad's actually a CFO and I also... I love spreadsheets. My husband actually got me a little Tumblr that says, this needs, this sounds like it needs a spreadsheet. Like I will work on spreadsheets all day. Our, our financial budget is like a seven piece. It's just a beautiful thing. So I would probably be in finance. Mm. I dabble in day trading. Like I love investing that whole thing. So that, and honestly, there's a lot more money in it. As much as we don't want to admit it, it does come down partly to how you can Mm -hmm. afford life. Does money yeah, buy you happiness? Have to have sustainability. No, it does not. But it sure makes it easier. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. I don't think I would. I would be in finance somewhere. Yeah. You and Dave can do a whole episode on spreadsheets, <laughs> and, and I'll just I'll just sit back and drink a beer and listen because it fascinates me. Like I I not only can I not compose them, I have a hard time reading them. Like I I don't know. I I simplify the I, ones I make. I make you, so you do you do like for our fantasy football pool and our our you know weekly betting pools and for the ones we do for the podcast. Like they're very easy. They're they're color coded. Um, I, I can I can follow those pretty easily, but I had zero clue how you put those things together yeah way way way. that's half the fun though is like figuring out your formulas like i want the cell to do this how do Uh, i make it do this oh it's so fun i could spend hours uh, hours Uh, oh gosh well let's 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 get down to it let's let's talk some toxicology here um what what led you down the path of toxicology you had obviously done a few things other things in, in vet med, you know, I know when I worked emergency and critical care, toxicology cases were some of my favorites. Mm-hmm. And so for me, it was kind of a natural, you know, thing to to look at that avenue. But I'm curious what led you down the path of, of veterinary toxicology? It was partly exactly what you said. I, I have a pretty extensive background. Even when I wasn't working full-time emergency, I've been doing relief emergency. I've been a technician for eight or nine years. I've been doing ER the entire spread because most of us work two jobs. So I've been doing emergency this entire time. So I have gotten my fair share of toxicology cases, but part of it was a lot more simple than that. I was looking for something that got me off of my feet. Even just working seven or eight years, I was starting to see my body start to break down a little bit, and I wanted to get ahead of the game. This is not what I want to do full-time. This is not what I want to do long-term. I don't want to have to be replacing my knees or my hips or not be able to work in this profession that I have this huge passion for. What other avenues do I have? And of course, Pet Poison, and I'm sure ASPCA, sends out emails all the time all the time. And so I kept getting these emails, come work for us, come work for us. So finally one day I was like, you know what? Why don't I just try it? And I got hired in like 24 hours. (laughs) And so I was like, Oh, that was quick. (laughs) And so it was, it, it's not that way for everyone. So please don't quote me, but I started as a relief position. And so I got to make my own hours. I got to kind of ease into things, which starting to work remote, 
being used to working clinic full time, I cannot recommend it enough. It is such a huge culture change to just jump Mm -hmm. straight into working remote. If you have the opportunity and you're wanting to pursue something like this, starting in some kind of a relief or part-time position to see if you even like it. Remote work is not for everyone. (laughs) And so it's really, it has its own challenges. And so I really worked for about a year and a half fully remote and was just like, do I like this? Do I not? And then I finally took the plunge and was like, no, I really love this. It's fast paced like ER. You have to be on your game. And I love the independent work where I have the training and the knowledge to take care of these cases and move on to the next one. I can prove that I'm efficient. I can be the best that I can be. And that to me is a special kind of challenge of how many people can I help? And I loved it. And you have to drag me away from my computer now. I'm never leaving, <laughs> never leaving. <laughs> I say that I say that about relief work too. Is is that you know I, I I get offers quite a bit about do you want to be the like I've been getting one from this this hospital recently about becoming their ER supervisor and I'm like no, no. I I enjoy my my uh, my schedule where I make it myself. Um, so so no I I'm I'm not leaving relief either. I've looked at Pet Poison Helpline a couple of times, even did an interview with, with them or ASPCA. I can't remember which one. Um, ultimately, decided not to do it just because it was going to be a pay cut for me at the time. And it, it didn't really work out for what I was looking to do financially. But I, I was I was fully invested in, in thinking about doing that as, as well. But as... As I've said, I, I love my relief work and not having to not having to work every day. Oh, 100%. Yeah. So talk about Pet Poison Helpline. They, I know they offer remote positions in specific states, and there's certain states that they don't allow technicians to work from. So how does that how does that whole process work? And kind of explain the the reasoning behind only hiring in certain states, if you, if you know the answer to that. I don't. I'm not involved in the hiring process, so I'm not. Okay. I, from what I actually understand the certain states is for tax reasons, I believe, but again, don't, that was going to be, yeah, my guess. don't quote yeah. me on that, but I do believe because they also allow us to work remote. So I actually snowboarded this year. My parents live in West Palm beach and I took my stuff and I moved down with my husband for a month and I worked remotely from my parents' office. And so I know you can't do that in certain states. So because of that, I do believe it's tax reasons, but again, don't yeah. quote me. Uh, is that is that for techs and for doctors or is it just I think it's it's across it, if it's the board. tax reasons it should be across the board I think right? it's across yeah. the board mm-hmm. yeah hmm. but again I'm not part of the hiring process I'm yeah. not part of that team so but that would have to be my personal guess uh, just because yeah. of how yeah. they address us in terms of allowing us to work fully remote over the Christmas season of like you right. need to let us know when there's certain states like you still can't go to those states kind of a thing so I would think it's tax. Oh, for like so like even if you're if you're hired in Michigan and you travel to one of those states where they're not allowed to use people that that for a certain length of time. So like I Ooh. so like I couldn't stay in Florida indefinitely um, without having to switch tax things. Like that you have to maintain your state of residency, and so they're gotcha. they're careful about how long you stay in each state. So they also like you can't just get in a van because uh, like my friend, like sh- she wants the van travel and was like, this could be absolutely perfect. We're not at that point yet either where you can yeah, just yeah. like yeah. be that remote. <laughs> You're a remote, no- a but not that remote. <laughs> yeah. Can't be a nomad. So. Yeah. 
Yeah, I know um, two people I work with, they actually like house swap Mm -hmm. for a month in the summer. One goes north and the other goes south, and then they just work on each other's because it's all the same equipment that they give us. And yeah, and so it's just, I don't know, it's, it's, yeah, super cool. So so hearing you do, you know, some of that too is, is, yeah, like super benefit of of remote work. Yeah, yeah. And I'm not sure again about the interview process with ASPCA. I know the interview sure. process has changed with us since I got hired in. They now have a really cool, it's like a Zoom interview where you actually get to log on and actually hear some of the calls and actually get to experience, obviously not talking to the clients you're listening in, but like, is this mm-hmm. kind of the atmosphere that you want to work in? You know, do you think that you can hand, it gives you a very hands-on feel, which I am a huge advocate for. I think that's really great. It's kind of like a working interview. You know, we can't Mm -hmm. do a working interview. I can't put you on the phone with a client with no knowledge base, (laughs) but this is as close as we can get. So they have that now, which is amazing. I think that's a great option, but then it's a basic interview. It's multi-step interview. You talk to a bunch of different people and then you either make it or you don't. And then the training process, we have a, we have a four week training process just for the basics and then obviously there's constant training throughout we're pretty consistently in training which is great i really enjoy it yeah 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 for sure well and, and what i from what i recall is isn't there like isn't there like a home base in minnesota or something mm-hmm. like that mm-hmm. yeah okay yep and there's a huge so some people do they have the option of going into the actual space because that's where they started and then they started offering remote and so they have so many people working and so if you're within i think 30 or 40 miles if things we had one time where our systems just completely went down and everyone within 30 40 50 miles were required to come on in and try and keep the Mm. call center running for a little bit so wow it just depends on where you live yeah yeah well, we've we're we're already about half, a little more than halfway through this interview, and I, I feel like yes. we haven't even touched on a lot of the good questions I yet. I know, I know, we're just getting started. <laughs> I'll talk I love it. It's been good uh, discussion, though. Yeah, I mean, I looked down, I was like, oh man, we're at thirty-one minutes, and we haven't even gotten to the bulk of her questions. Um, so why don't we take our quick break here? We'll we'll pay some bills, and we'll be back right after the break. The Vet Tech Cafe is sponsored by BetterHelp. BetterHelp Online Therapy will assess your needs and match you with your own licensed professional therapist and you can start communicating in under 48 hours. It's not a crisis line and it's not self-help. It's professional therapy done securely online that's more affordable than traditional in-person therapy and financial aid is available. Caffeinators receive 10% off the first month using BetterHelp.com slash VetTechCafe. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P, to join the over 1 million people who have taken charge of their mental health with the help of an experienced professional. You can log into your account anytime and send a message to your therapist, and you'll get timely and thoughtful responses. Plus, you can schedule weekly video or phone sessions so you won't ever have to sit in an uncomfortable waiting room as with traditional therapy. Don't take our word for it. Visit their website and read their testimonials that are posted daily at betterhelp.com reviews. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash reviews. If you want to take charge of your mental health, visit BetterHelp.com slash VetTechCafe and get started today and get 10% off your first month. Be well, caffeinators. All right, everybody, welcome back to the Vet Tech Cafe, the cafe where you don't have to call in sick. You can just work remotely. That's working for me and for Casey today. So welcome, everybody. Um, so Casey, we, we talk a lot about mental health in May. We do an entire mental health series 
Uh, so we're really focused on mental health. Um, we just had our ad for better help. Um, so how do you manage your own mental health? Partly by working remote. I'm going to be honest with you. <laughs> working remote has done so much for my mental health game. I am an introvert extrovert. And so working remote for me works amazing. I don't have to leave my house. We have multiple breaks during our shifts where you can get a lot done in 15 minutes. I have found out 15 and 30 minutes, my little breaks that I get, you can get a lot done. So I'm able to keep up the house a little bit more. I'm able to be here with my pets. My pets can hang out on my couch back there. And just for me, just by changing my work has honestly that's been the biggest change for mental health yeah it's amazing just getting out of that clinic space you know there's there's always i mean unless you're working in a one of those quote-unquote unicorn clinics there, there's always so much stress amongst team members and you know just talking to jeff about his experience working remotely like there's no there's no drama that you have to deal with which is another reason why i like working relief is there's drama at every place i go into but it's not mine. I don't have to deal with it. But I would, I would imagine that's the same for you working remotely where you don't have to deal with some of that stuff. Yeah, there's no clicks because there's no opportunity for clicks to form right. because right. you're not – most of the time you're not even working with the same people. So we use Teams. I'm not sure what you guys use. So there's always like chats going on and stuff like that. But there's mm -hmm. very stringent you know, guidelines um, on how Teams is used and things like that, and they're all monitored. So it's great. Yeah, there's no none of the drama that you see in, in clinics. It's great. So so caffeinators, if you if you want to address your mental health issues, work, work remotely. Remote. <laughs> work remote. Work remote. That's the answer. Um, you know, speaking of working remote, in, in your previous answer before the break, you talked about the challenges of working remotely. Um, there are some unique challenges that I have found over the last couple of years, and, and I think Dave and I have talked about them previously in previous episodes. I'm curious to hear your views on that, what specific ones you have found, you know, what challenges you have found unique uh, compared to clinic life? I would say there's two challenges that I specifically think about. Number one would be physical. I sit a lot now. And so you do, you have a tendency to be a little bit more unhealthy. It's very easy to just snack all the time. It's very easy. The kit, my kitchen is downstairs. It's very easy to just go and get food and you're not walking, you're not picking things up. So I got a walking treadmill to counteract that. Um, and I have a rising desk. So that would be number one is making sure that your physical health stays forefront in your mind because you're no longer at a physical labor job. Number two, I don't count as a challenge because of my personality. Some people may, and I kind of touched on it before you're alone. A lot of the time you're not in a clinic setting. So if you are the type of person where you need that physical interaction, even just walking by someone, oh, hey, how are you? Good morning. How's your coffee? This is not probably going to be for you. You do not have that. There are entire shifts. I work 10 and a half hour shifts because that's what I like. I like working four days a week instead of five where I speak to no one other than clients for 10 and a half hours. Well, minus my breaks and stuff like that. I don't speak to a coworker. And so if you are the type of person who would not mind not talking to people, this might be a great job. But if you are, if you need that stimulus, you might go insane. We try and do a really great job. Pepweizen has a great culture where we have clubs. I'm really active in their wellness committee and their book club. We have um, like anime, which I'm not into, but they do like Marvel and other stuff and gardening clubs and stuff like that to keep people interact, uh, interacting. But it's not face to face. So I would say that would be the biggest challenge potentially for people. Yeah. 
Yeah, for sure. And, and you know, to, to piggyback on that, I mean, I think, I think vet techs at large are, it's a largely introverted group. And I think <laughs> yeah. a lot of people always think like, yeah, I would actually love to not have physical coworkers. And I thought the same going in after about six months, I kind of started to miss it. You know, just again, like you were saying, you know, not having people to, to walk by and just chat with and these people that you get to know really well and, and what have you. So it is definitely very different. And I, I share my workspace with, um, it's, it's my office, but it's also our nursery. That's where our infant daughter sleeps. So like if I'm on zoom, like people are staring at her crib and it, it's <laughs> so like, you know, it's, it's a little, it, it is, you know, just some of those things you wouldn't ordinarily think about. And then also I think the biggest one too, is for a lot of people, it's talking on the phone all day. Like, you know, it's, it's call after call after call and, and just talking on the phone. And I think, especially now in this day and age, like how many times, you know, on social media, do you say, if you want to talk to me, don't leave me a voicemail or don't call me, I won't answer, send me a text and I'll respond right away. Mm -hmm. Like, (laughs) and, but you know, that's, that is, that is it. You're talking on the phone. And, um, but it's also nice because as a result of that, you have that barrier that you're not actually like in a room with a client talking to them there. So there's like, it's a, it's kind of a trade-off there. There's, there's the barrier, but then it's also, you're just talking on the phone. You find that that's harder though. Cause that actually was one of my, uh, one of my points about what is so unique about this role is because we are just using our voice for those client interactions. Mm-hmm. I feel like that almost puts us at a disadvantage from the very beginning of the call for a couple of reasons. Cause one, we're, a, we're a call center. You can call us anything you want, but we're a call center. And so, so many people yep. have this stigma about call centers. They're going to talk to someone who's in India or whatever. And so you, they have the stigma of, you don't actually know what I'm going through. I, I do right. like, I'm, I'm right here. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've talked to mm-hmm. people 20 minutes from me and I'm like, no, no, like I live where you live, but I don't have those other senses. I, you can't see me. You can't see the empathy that I'm pouring out of my body. You can, I only can use my voice. Do you struggle with that? It took me a long time to cultivate that yeah. voice. You have to cultivate for your sure. voice to, to, to compensate for that. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And, and, that's yeah. That's that's really the only tool that you have is to show your empathy, is your your inflection and your voice, and yeah, absolutely. Do you, do you guys? I'll ask both of you this. Um, do you guys like identify yourself as technicians, or mm-hmm. like when 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 somebody calls in, what do you what do you say to them? This is Jeff. I'm I'm. Yeah, I, I say uh, I say you know my greeting is thank you for calling the ASPCA Animal Poison Center Control Center. This is uh, I'm Jeff, one of the veterinary technicians. How can I help you today? I, hmm. I specifically say I'm a veterinary technician because of that call center thing. Right. Like it's very same thing for me. It was very important for me to identify myself as a veterinary technician, so they know they're talking to a veterinary professional um, and just not somebody that's answering the phone. You know. Right. Exactly. Yeah. So that's, yeah, I, I definitely do that. It's not a requirement. A lot of people on our team don't do that, but it's just something I like to do. In case you do the same. So my, mine will depend on our line. So we're broken up. Uh, if I'm working, I work on the industry side right now. So, uh, those companies like Bell and BI and Reckitt, we work specifically with them. And so we take all their medical calls. And so I work on that side where I will then identify myself as a medical line. So I can't specifically identify myself because of contracts as like, I'm working for pet poison. We can with specific wording. So usually I'll just say, thank you so much for calling medical line. My name is Casey. How can I help you? And then usually if they have an issue, I'll go into my credentialing. Yeah. 
but if I'm on the pet poison side, it's very similar to Jeff, how you introduce yourself. It's just, thanks for calling Pet Poison Helpline. My name is Casey. How can I help you? And again, I usually don't introduce myself as a veterinary technician unless I find you learn very quickly if you're going to have an issue mm-hmm. with someone. And then I usually will yeah. pull that out really quickly to reassure them yeah. you're not talking to just no one. I do have the background. I do have the training. I'm here to help you. Help me help you. Yeah. I'm just here yeah. to help you. Uh, so, Casey, how do you view your autonomy and uh, utilization? I know utilization, tech utilization is kind of a big um, hot-button topic lately. Um, so how do you feel like you're utilized and in, in this role compared to you know your roles working on the floor in a clinic? I actually really like this question because my answer is it's just a different utilization. Um, so on one side, my work is very individualized, and I'm not sure, Jeff, if you feel the same way, but unless I'm reporting, so because I work on the industry side, I do report to the EPA on a lot of my cases. Those cases are reviewed by a lot of people, and so those cases are not individualized. There's other people listening to my call recordings and following up on my work, making sure, obviously, that everything is documented correctly, because it is going to a governing body. But if I'm working for the pet poison line specifically or just other medical lines, there might be no one who touches my case unless it's pulled for quality control or the owner comes back with another question. It might just be logged into the system and there you go, you're done. So on one side, that's a lot of trust to put in someone. So that's why we go through much training is to make sure that we document correctly and that that trust is well-founded because on that side, I'm utilized a lot more than I would be in clinic because in clinic, you've got a doctor who's actually writing up the whole case, right? I can put in my history notes, but the doctor is going to be the final say on touching everything. But then on, on the other side, you're not using any of your physical skill set, but there's also no way for you to use your physical skill set. Right, right. <laughs> and so on that side, you're not being utilized in that way, but you also can't really knock them for that because there's no way to actually make that viable. So I would say right. I I feel like I'm a little bit more utilized now, just in a different way. Well, yeah, and it's it's that trust, you know. I, I think about the cases that I that I see for to- toxicity cases that, you know, I'm reporting to the doctor what the owner tells me, and you know, coming up with a plan sometimes with with the doctor, or sometimes just waiting for them to tell me what they want to do. But in your role, you're 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 almost on an equal plane as as the doctor, being the voice of authority of saying this is what. This is what this patient got into. This is what we need to do for yeah. it, and kind of going going through through all that. Whereas, you know, on the floor, you're specifically for toxicology cases, you're kind of a middleman almost sometimes. Hundred yeah. percent. Mm-hmm. It's just yeah, different for sure. But it's it's yeah, kind of yeah, nice, it especially for those of us who are a little further along in our careers, to have that extra level of trust and be able to dabble into a little bit more of that work. For sure. <laughs> So it's March. Well, it's not while we're recording this. It's still. <laughs> it will be when this it is released. It's when this is released, it, it, it will be March. Um, Pet Poison Prevention Month. I always stumble with that it's hard. 3P word. Pet Poison Prevention Month. Um, so brag about why toxicology and, and working in toxicology and remotely and telemedicine and all of that. Brag about why that's so cool, especially for this month. It is so cool. I think it's so cool because it covers every aspect of your life. 
Toxicology covers the inside of your house, the outside of your house, the food you eat, the medication you take, the plants you have in your house, anything like the insecticides that you use, the pest control companies that come in when you're walking on a hike. It's everywhere in this world. It is so cool. And it's something that I truly don't believe that there is a cap on what you can learn. I am a very ambitious learner. I'm not a stagnant, like, once I've learned everything, I am done. Like, there's always something (laughs) more to be learning about. And it is such a cool field that you can just deep dive. And if you want something to deep dive on, just start looking at mushrooms and your brain will hurt in two <laughs> seconds. Um, I don't know if you're familiar with the emergency group on Facebook that will ID mushrooms. Mm-hmm. They are amazing just to go down the thread and some of them will, I mean, they're their own specialty, but that's dealing with toxicology just in a different, you know, they're just identifying, they're not giving mm-hmm. information, but I've seen them ask someone to just cut a mushroom stem not the mushroom, the stem in half, they'll look at the cross section and be like, it's this specific mushroom. And I'm like, how? And that's wow. toxicology. I mean, it's not talking about the toxin, but you're identifying something. And then for me to be able to take that and go, okay, your dog is either going to have GI distress or potentially uh, sludge signs or, oh my gosh, we need to go in. This is a renal toxic or whatever it may be. It's such a cool niche that, we don't learn about in school. I was in school pretty recently, uh, comparatively, and we didn't learn any of this. And so it's so cool to then be able to deep dive into it. I think everyone should learn about it. It's very interesting. <laughs> well, and it, like, like you said, I mean, when I was first starting out, you know, we had a, a limited number of toxins that we were dealing with, but that's because those are the ones that we knew about. Right? And I, I think as time goes on, and as products become more advanced and mm-hmm. formulas change and all that stuff, there's a whole new list of, of things that are toxic to our pets that previously we didn't even know about. Mm-hmm. And not even just that they are toxic, but why they're toxic and right, how right. they affect the body. And are they species dependent? Like it's just constantly evolving and it's so fascinating. And is there a, um, I don't know how to word this question. Is there a way that you guys as, as the, people that answer the phones, is there a way that you guys are monitoring like newer toxins that are coming out? Or is it just basically the people that call that say, I've got my dog that got into this and you're like, oh crap, I don't have any information on this. We need to investigate this. How, how do you, how do you manage something that you haven't dealt with before or that isn't in your database? So for us, uh, it's a combination. So obviously I'm not in the higher up group. I'm not an HR or I'm not a DVM, but we have a whole group who stays on top of all that. Our treatment guidelines, our database are constantly evolving. I mean, we're constantly getting emails Mm. of this got edited or that got edited. Please review this. This just came out. There's constant Mm. communication, but you're not going to catch everything. It's just not possible in this constant, especially with pharmaceuticals. It is not possible. And so there are calls that do come out where we go, oh my God, what is this? (laughs) And so you have those resources of calling a supervisor or calling a lead tech. And then when they go, I've literally never heard of this medication. We just keep going up and up and up until we find someone who is able to help. And then we send an email out and someone, I don't know who, someone way higher up in the company than me will then add that to a little list. And before I know it, it's in the database. (laughs) 
Yeah, yeah. Yeah, same. I mean, we've had some, you know, especially like if, if you watch any TV, you see all of those new to market drugs <sighs> in human medicine. And, Combo ones. You know, yeah, like it, it's so it, it, at some point a dog's going to eat them. Mm-hmm. And I mean, we've we've had ones where we've, you know, Freedom of Information Act and gone into the clinical trial data mm-hmm. and, you know, just extrapolated from there. So yeah, I mean, there's, there's a lot of different tools and resources that you can use to, to kind of figure stuff out. But then there's also a measure of, of this is what we would expect, but this is also the first case we've ever had about this. So we're going to call you in three days and see what's happened. <laughs> and sometimes there's not animal studies done on yeah. a lot of these pharmaceuticals. Yeah, for sure. So you have to go, okay, well we have, there's no studies. So we just don't have this information. It's not that we're not informed. There's just no studies done. And so we know from this class of drug how it should typically affect the body. We don't know with the specific drugs. We don't have specific dosages or anything like that. So we have general guidelines and that's how we'll kind of move through this. So there's also, it's not even guesswork, but there's some generalization that has to occur with how fast the pharmaceutical world is moving. Yeah, for sure. Well, there's got to be somebody higher up that like like is watching a football game and, and sees this new drug come across the board. Oh crap! I gotta I gotta look into this. <laughs> yeah, oh, I'm for sure. sure, for sure, for sure. Well, Casey, as we're as we're getting towards the end of our hour here, I, I can't believe how fast this has gone by. Um, <laughs> uh, is there anything that we haven't touched on today that you wanted to get out to the caffeinators? I I just want people to to re- realize. General practice and ER, they're, they're amazing options and specialty too, but finding something that you're truly passionate about is a little bit more important and just, there's so many options now and you guys are doing a a fantastic job exposing those options. There are so many options out there, whether it's remote work or whether it's working with insurance or whether it's working in telemedicine, whatever you choose to do, whatever is right for you. If you're not completely happy in the specific niche that you are in veterinary medicine, it does not mean that you have to leave. If you're if you love what if you love veterinary medicine, we can find you a spot where you are truly happy. And please stick with us as we try and figure out the rest of this <laughs> vet tech world. Give us a couple of years. Stay with us. Um, but find a niche that really works for you and hold on for the ride, please. Don't leave us. <laughs> we can't afford is, it no we right, can't right, no kidding no kidding um is there a person or a topic um that you would like to see us highlight on a future episode so you actually were saying something earlier that i thought was really interesting about someone joining in to vet medicine super late in life um and so i think that'd be really interesting because i feel like i am a cookie cutter you know i've always i'm only 31 but you know, I've always wanted to be in vet medicine and this is the only career for me. And all three of us had the same answer of we wouldn't do this if we got to start mm-hmm. over again. So it would be so interesting to hear from someone who did do something different and said, if I got to start over again, I would do vet medicine. And then they did it. I think that'd be really interesting to hear from someone like that. Yeah. Some of the yeah, joined late in life. Sure. Yeah. We'll have to uh, we'll have to work on and that. And late in life idea. doesn't count like thirties. <laughs> You're not. I am not <laughs> saying I am not going to put that on myself. I'm not late in life yet. <laughs> All right, Casey. Now it's time for your would you rather question. We have a uh, we have three options here. We want you to pick either one, two, or three. Ooh, I'm gonna go with number one. Number one. Okay. Oh, this is a good one, Jeff. Okay. 
Would you rather have a tail that wags every time you're happy or a nose that grows every time you lie? That, and actually, that one's pretty easy. I want the tail. You want the tail? I want the tail. <laughs> <laughs> Only so the reason the reason I want the tail, um, not because I'm a liar of half a lot. Like that sounds awful. But I have a dog who her tail wags whenever she's happy, and her name is Gracie Violet, and she is like my little soul dog. And so her tail wags even when she's sleeping. And so if I had a tail that wagged, <laughs> then she would always be like a little bit of her would always be with me. There you go. I like, I like that. I like it. <laughs> All right. Well, Casey, thank you so much for taking some time out to come to the Vet Tech Cafe today and, and uh, help introduce Pet Poison Prevention Month and talk about the awesome world of, of remote work in toxicology for veterinary technicians. Super fun. Um, we really appreciate the time. And uh, yeah, just thank you so much for, for coming by and chatting with us. Capnators, we hope you guys are, are doing well. And uh, enjoy, again, March Pet Poison Prevention Month. Look out for some cool content coming from us about that. And uh, we will talk to you guys again soon. Bye, guys. Hello, caffeinators. We wanted to thank Dog Days Consulting for managing our social media and helping with the interior design here at the Vet Tech Cafe. They don't just do social media. They can help you identify your brand through brand coaching. The founder is a CVPM with 15 years experience in veterinary practice management. They are a small business proudly serving the veterinary community, and we are thrilled to be working with them. Check them out at www.dogdaysconsulting.com. Hey, caffeinators. We would like to thank you for listening to the Vet Tech Cafe podcast today. As everybody is well aware by now, we often talk about difficult issues that face our profession. In addition, we chat with colleagues and leaders in our field who have strong opinions of these issues. Those opinions expressed by either Dave or Jeff as the hosts, or those opinions expressed by our guests, are their opinions alone and do not represent any other person, business, institution, or any other entity inside or outside of the scope of veterinary medicine. If you have any questions relating to this, please email us at vettechcafe at gmail.com or visit our website www.vettechcafe.com. Lastly, whatever platform you utilize to hear our dulcet tones, please rate and review our podcast and like and follow our Facebook, Instagram, and LinkedIn pages as well to see what we're up to. From all of us at the Vet Tech Cafe, have yourself a great day.